Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I am Dr. Lawrence Tam. I'm Dr. Damian Kristoff. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into our lives. And today, we thought we'd mix it up a little bit because we've been spending a lot of time um, with just guys. We've been actually interviewing guys. I just realized that today, <laughs> that uh, we really need to start to mix it up and bring some message into the, the Wellness Guys show. So we thought we'd bring in um, Cindy O'Mara. Yes, welcome, Cindy. Thanks, Lawrence. Uh, Cindy's been, uh, we, I mean, I've, I've spoken with Cindy several times on stage and Damien has, I know Brett has as well. And uh, I've done an interview with Cindy and, you know, Cindy's been, uh, I guess you've been author of, author of many books, uh, the most famous one I know that's been around for 13 years or so is called Changing Habits, Changing Lives. And uh, you also have a cookbook out there. You just got some amazing stuff. Cindy, would you just sort of give us a little bit of detail of how you got started and, you know, and what you're all about? Uh, look, it's my family. Um, my father was a pharmacist. My mum was a nurse. And I really wanted to have something to do with the health field. But I, I also wanted to ski. So I, I, moved, I went to America and went to university where I could ski. But what happened there was much more than just skiing. I um, had um, a year at university and I had the most amazing professor in anthropology. And what I, I was taught was how we evolved and how food was so much a part of our evolution as we evolved, food evolved and, and so on. And so I decided to um, come back to Australia, become a nutritionist, finished my Bachelor of Science degree majoring in nutrition and was about to go and do my dietetics degree and I couldn't agree with anything I was being taught. And I looked at some of my lecturers and they had bellies the size of barrels. Um, <laughs> they were fat, sick and nearly dead as the movie goes. And yeah. I just thought, I, I just can't live with, you know, I can't do what they're teaching. So I went back to university for a couple of years, um, did some anatomy, trying to figure out what I wanted to do and had an aha moment um, somewhere in between that and realized that I don't have to teach what is mainstream as far as dietetics go. I, I could teach something very different. Uh, and that's what I did. I, I I graduated in, um, well, I finished about 86, 87, started um, consulting as a nutritionist, doing the exact opposite to what everyone else was doing. They were all doing low fat. Um, they were talking yeah. about margarine, artificial sweeteners, diet drinks. Uh, they and still I was, are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm saying, let's eat fat. Let's not eat these artificial sweeteners. Let's, butter's better and, you know, chocolate can be good for you. So... That was that's basically my background, and I've just for thirty three years I've been studying nutrition, and I, I just can't get enough of it. Yeah, well, Cindy, I know you're a very passionate woman. Every time you speak, everybody loves your presentation. There's just amazing stuff there. Um, let's start off with the first question, Demo. Okay, are you asking me to ask the first question? Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's get you started. Let's, <laughs> well, how's it going, Cindy? <laughs> no, <laughs> that just threw me a little bit. Thanks, LT. Um, Cindy, I, I've met you a number of times and I love talking with you and working with you and the same work that you do in Australia, I've done in New Zealand and I think what you and I talk about is very, very similar. But there's a couple of things that you've been talking about recently which I really love and I, we haven't spoken about it on The Wellness Guys um, at this stage and we're you know up to episode 40-something, I think, or close to 40. And, uh, and one of those, and that is food labeling. I don't 
I actually, my conversation a lot is around, you know, eating food with natural intelligence. So eating food that actually has the potential to give life and to give energy, right? So something with innate intelligence, something that's just been picked. So I don't see a whole a lot of need for me to have to read food labels. But of course, there'll be people out there still reading food labels, trying to work out whether or not this particular item, which they think is food, um, whether or not it's going to be any good for them. So do you reckon you could take us through a bit of a journey about how to read a food label? Yeah, look, whenever I ask people, uh, well, actually, let, let's just go back a little bit. There are two ways we can choose food. There's the culture and traditional way, which is what you were just talking about, Damien. And then there's this new way of choosing food, which is called nutritionism. And that's where we're so obsessed with the fat, salt, and sugar, protein, carb, whatever content, that yep. we actually choose a food as a result of the contents of the food rather than the actual food. So when I ask people, you know, what's the first thing you look for when you read a food label? And people yell out salt, sugar, protein, fat, <laughs> trans fats. You know, they're looking for the components of the food rather than the real food. And yep. when I show them a, in quotation marks, perfect food, which has got perfect protein and perfect sugar and perfect carbs and salt and has been given the heart tick of approval and, you know, it's all kosher and perfect as far as the public's concerned, I then show them, the ingredients. What is the food actually made of? And as, as I display the ingredients, that you can see their mind going, what is that? I don't even recognize what those ingredients are. And it could be things like protein isolates and it could have calcium caseinate in it and a flavor which has got 48 chemicals in. And so people start to realize that if they go for the components of the food, while it might look perfect, in actual fact, they're eating a food that is so far from a food that it, that it will make you sick. It's It actually is making you sick. And a lot mm. of these foods that we look at, a lot of these so-called ingredients that we look at are actually what is causing a lot of inflammation within our body and therefore um, causing much of the, the modern-day diseases. So for me, if I look at a, a label, I want to know what's in the label. Is it real or is it made up in some chemical laboratory? And when people mm. start to get that and realize that fat, salt, sugar, protein content is a waste of time and looking at the actual food component of it, then they actually start to realize that most of the foods in their pantry need throwing out. Yeah, it's a great point. And, you know, one of the things I think I heard you say at a Dynamic Growth Congress was if your grandmother can't pronounce it, then it's probably not a good thing for you to eat. But I think you said something like that along those lines. But, you know, we have to get a book out now to read the numbers because you don't know what the numbers mean. You know, it, so often a sweetener is classed as 951, but you actually need the dictionary to work out what 951 is. You know, and it's very, very confusing for a lot of people. So basically what you're saying is that if you're looking down and you, you see that there's a nutrient label there, but you should go to the ingredients first and just check out the ingredients and see what's the – and understanding that the list of ingredients – and the order that it's listed is the order in which the quantity is the greatest. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. The the first is the greatest ingredient, and then so on. And it's really interesting if you look at a breakfast cereal, um, and, except and for most porridge. People, except for porridge, yep. Um, but uh, you know, for, the ones forage, I mean, forage, you know, forage with an F. Yes, yes. porridge and yours, Damien. <laughs> but I'm talking about you know the breakfast cereals that we see on the supermarket shelves that are adorned with health claims such as very high in fiber or 50 full of energy grain yeah or gives you energy or high in antioxidants when you look at these 
um, breakfast cereals and you actually read the ingredients. Um, yep. I, I know there's one that's been given the heart tick of approval. There are eight different sugars in it. Wow. And I like go to the Heart Foundation, well, okay, do you mean to say that you believe the heart is not connected to the rest of the body and that <laughs> the sugar that you, we're putting into our body is not going to affect our heart in any way? In other words, you know, I, in other words, what? We won't have heart disease, but let's give us diabetes. You know, it's just yeah. ludicrous. That give, then that won't give you heart. That won't give heart disease either. If you have diabetes, don't you know? Forget about that. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, two separately, two separate oh, diseases. And, and then you know, it's all interconnected. But they're making it out that it's not. You know, these. This is the thing: is I have a really good rule of thumb. If it has a health claim on it, don't touch it. <laughs> don't go anywhere near it. And and the worst health claim of all on if we're looking at a food label, are the ones that prove are clinically proven to lower cholesterol or clinically oh, proven to lower cholesterol reabsorption. Yeah, because they're, Well, they're outright lies. Um, and the European Heart Foundation has just done, in 2012, has just done a meta-analysis of do these foods actually change the risk of cardiovascular disease? And yeah. they've come up with a conclusive... Um, proof they don't and that oh. these functional foods must be taken off the shelves and and should not have these claims on it and yet when I go through the supermarket shelves in Australia I find them all the time um, and it, it's it, this is what people are, are being you know it, it's like a joke it's like people think that they can just throw or food manufacturers think that they can throw any claim on these foods and people that are not educated actually um, believe in them and, and choose them. And, the and, and unfortunately, people, unfortunately, people who are educated are still recommending those as being the healthy option, the healthy choice, yeah. which is but even scarier. Brett, you know what? They're not educated. And, and the reason they're not educated is they're just listening to propaganda by either the, the seller of the, the food or the drug companies that are saying, you know, if you give this drug, you know, should also recommend that they eat margarine. So it's actually, they actually are not educated. If they were educated about the food as I spend my whole life doing, they would yep. never, yeah. ever recommend it. They wouldn't even give it to their dog, let alone to a patient or a child or a, a human being. Yeah. Mm. It is amazing, isn't it? And it, 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 with these spreads that you're talking about, Cindy, um, it's, I, know, I know of somebody who worked on the project to bring that to market and um, the, the scientists, and they are scientists and dietitians who actually worked on this particular project, are so, um, I suppose, I don't want to say brainwashed, but they're so set in their way, so set in stone that this is the correct way to do it. It's like, it's, it is absolute dogma because they're, they're believing in something even though the research would suggest something otherwise. It's... It's quite amazing. And what's interesting too is that the only reason that a food claim will ever come uh, in front of a panel or ever go in front of um, some kind of a board that can regulate it is if, you, if, is if somebody actually flags it and notifies the local council. So it's, it's kind of a, you know, there's nothing really that's going to get them. Like you can say, you're right, you can say almost anything, but if somebody complains, then you've got to pull it off the shelf. But not many people complain. Well, I do. Like I've run craft. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm always calling them. Um, so I ran craft recently, but they don't return my calls. Um, but I've done something more, and you'll see it on television um, probably in the next couple of months. So watch out. Good. 
Okay. Watch out craft, watch out Meadow Lee, watch out because, you know, reporters are getting really um, very good at, at, at seeing things that are causing um, problems within our society and and many of these foods are creating ill health and, and I also feel um, that the Heart Foundation needs to pick up its socks and pick up its game because what it's saying is giving its heart to give approval to and, and um, there was a current affair program that I actually was on and I was basically saying how can you give the tick of approval to foods you know, with all these ingredients in it, one of them had 84 ingredients in it and many wow. had been banned overseas and the Heart wow. Foundation had given its tick of approval to it. And um, they basically said they would never change their policy, um, that it, they were interested in the fat and the salt uh, and, and they knew that sugar was part of heart disease but they weren't changing anything there. So it's, it was quite interesting Mm. what um, was said. Dogma, dogma again. Then it was dogma again. And then two weeks later, it's interesting what happened, is that I actually got a, um, a press release, which I've never been given from the Heart Foundation, saying that they've decided to change their policy and they oh. would be taking their tick of approval off the, um, McDonald's uh, and any other food outlets. So I was pretty pleased. I don't know good if work. I with it Oh, it sounds like it. Yeah, good on you. We were pretty it's pleased. Great. So, you know, people power is working and it's about... You're an Avenger. Yeah, look, it, look, you know what it is? It's about saying, I'm not prepared to put up with this anymore. I will not buy their products anymore. And then they've got to change. Mm. These big companies have to change. Cindy, I'm, I'm always really interested about the... Since we're, we're talking about labeling and ingredients, what about um, ingredients that are actually that don't have to be listed. Are there any ingredients that are not listed in the packaging? And, um, and second question is, how does, how do we, how does some countries allow certain ingredients and while other countries have banned those ingredients? You kind of touched on that. All right. So let, let's um, answer the first question. Yes, there will be lots of ingredients that you actually will not see um, on the label. And it could be that one manufacturer purchases from another manufacturer, let's say um, uh, coconut. And all they have to do is put coconut in it. But the manufacturer before would have had on their labelling coconut 202 and could have propylene glycol in it. But the second manufacturer only has to put coconut on it. So you actually don't know um, what is exactly in your food, especially when manufacturers are buying food from all over the place, all overseas. So you have to be really wary of that. That's number that's that's number one way of, mm. of not seeing it. There's also a loophole that if it doesn't come up to a certain percentage in the food that you don't have to put it on the ingredient. Right. So that's the like second sugar. one. Yeah, the third way is that it could just call something like a blanket thing called flavor or natural green color. But natural green color actually has in it about seven chemicals, I would call them, not ingredients, and one of them is propylene glycol, which has been banned in America. Um, in actual fact, medications with propylene glycol were all taken off the shelves because this chemical or this additive um, caused liver and kidney damage. And you can imagine where the medications and the food went to. It went to countries that have not banned propylene glycol. So... You know, there, that's three ways that we really don't know um, what is actually in our food. And, you know, like I've gotten to the point where, a little bit like Damien, where 
I don't buy anything packaged anymore. Everything is made from scratch. And some of the people out there will probably be just rolling in their chairs thinking, well, I can't do that. But in actual fact, you can, and it's a lot cheaper to eat that way, and it's a lot healthier to eat that way. And it's just about going back to what we ate maybe 30 years ago as opposed to now. And if you take a little bit more time with your your food preparation and your health right now, then you're not going to spend the 15 years of illness that a lot of people spend in this day and age at the end of their life. You'll actually, you know, be quite energetic. And I've, like I've said to my dad, he's, he's 84, I said, Dad, you know, most people spend 15 years in downtime before they die. You've got one week. That's it. Do you commit to that, Dad? That's <laughs> <laughs> nice. He's committed to me. He said he'll have one week of downtime before he leaves. <laughs> That's so good. Sydney, I'd be interested in your opinion, and not because I'm trying to get contentious at all, uh, but you mentioned that going back 30 years ago would be almost enough for us to you know, get, get healthy, but some people have gone back 20,000 years, and recently there's a move to go more paleo in many people's lifestyle. Um, with an assumption really that there hasn't been any kind of um, evolutionary state that's significant enough to actually take us away from a paleo uh, style of eating. But of course, I've, I've read your book, um, Back to Front, uh, a couple of times. I've cooked from your cookbook, which I absolutely love, which is Changing Habits, Changing Lives cookbook, and I, I just love them. Um, and in there, you know, you use uh, ingredients that may not have been found 20,000 years ago. What's your kind of take on the, on the, the paleo revolution at the moment? Oh, well... You know, I did anthropology through school and um, for me, hunter-gatherer diet was, is the way to go and was the way to go. But yeah. when you're speaking to somebody who's eating breakfast cereals, low-fat milk, um, toast with margarine, Vegemite, has a sandwich with cheese and ham for lunch and then for dinner has pasta with canton or something like that, <laughs> to, yeah. to tell them, look, mate, go to the paleo, you'll be fine. Yep. It's, it's unless they are really, really ready to change, they're not going to do it. So what changing habits is, is, is a slow change about at least getting them out of artificial ingredients and getting them to natural. But yeah. for people who have been following me for years and for myself, I am actually very paleo. Um, yeah. I don't eat a lot of grains these days. Um, um, I, I, you could call me a Swiss paleo because I still eat my dairy, <laughs> but I have quality. I actually think the paleo movement is fantastic. I, nice. I am all for it. Um, I was a vegetarian for 16 years, and during that 16 years, I was not at my greatest health. Since I've been eating lots of greens, like heaps of green vegetable um, matter, uh, meat, fish, chicken, as wild as I can get it, um, uh, seasonal fruits, uh, nuts, seeds, eggs, um, I even, you know, I've added chia because that's an ancient um, seed from South America. I've even added quinoa because it's more a seed um, and um, some amaranth. So these are the foods that I'm introducing. But like I said, some people probably just thought right now, what language is that girl speaking? <laughs> so, you know, we've got we've to move them away from the processed foods and get them to at least eating real foods. Yeah. Then what they do yeah. is they realize there's another leap. And I have 800 people at the moment on my, my paleo leap at the moment. I don't call it the paleo leap. I actually call it um, more the hunter-gatherer mm -hmm. um, because, you know, paleo seems to be something that um, is, is looking like a trend. And it's not a trend. It is something that 
we really do need to move to. So does that answer that, that question, Damien? Yeah, absolutely. And what I, I think one of the, the great things that you said there is that it's a step, you know, because we are taking people from a, a long way away. You know, they've gone from being appalling with their lifestyle, appalling with their diet in many cases. And in some cases, people having, you know, primarily Coca-Cola or Fanta or Sprite as their main beverage for the day, then they top it off with some alcohol at nighttime. To then go and say, hey, drop all of that and just get onto, you know, what's absolutely perfect for you. I think that's just a big leap. So what I, I loved yeah. what you just mentioned there was just, you know, changing the habits and that will ultimately change your life. I think that's a really nice approach. Yeah, yeah, and you know, this is exactly the conversation I had with someone in my practice just this week. I've actually got a new practitioner starting with me who's very much into the paleo movement, Cindy, and, and she saw your book in my practice and she said, well, how come you've got this book? You know, this isn't, you know, 100% paleo. And I said, yeah, I know it's not, but it's a fantastic book because exactly like you just said, Cindy, some people aren't ready to go 100% paleo just yet. Um, and, and the strategies in your book are just fabulous to start, you know, just start making them think about some of those ingredients in their food, start making them think about some of that dogma they've been taught and how they can just start that process of really changing around and, and I just think it's a fabulous book from that perspective. So it's, that, it's just great information. Look, it gets people thinking and that's, that's what it's all about. It's about saying, hey, that breakfast area you're eating, did you know how that was made? Did you realise that the fortification that they're using is from a chemical laboratory and is actually hurting your body, not nourishing your body. And did you know that the iron, that if you get a magnet with that breakfast cereal, you can actually pull a grey powder out of that breakfast cereal. So this is, this is people like go, what? Are you serious? <laughs> this is what they do to our food? So for me, it's education about the food they're eating, giving them an alternative and then once they've gone there, they want to go further. You know, it, they get so excited and they feel so wonderful. They go, okay, I feel this good. Can I feel better? And then that's when you, you hit them with the, okay, well, if you take this and this out of your diet, you might be surprised that your lower back pain is improving. So, you know, we know that one of the, the, the things that is causing a lot of problems at the moment is autoimmune diseases. And autoimmune diseases are a result of um, foods we eat, um, a result of bacteria and viruses and parasites. And, it, it, it's, it, you know, it all depends on that. And if you listen to Dr. Tom O'Brien, he's a chiropractor in, um, in America, and he's very much into the paleo movement. And he's basically an expert on gluten. And he says not all gluten is bad, but there is gluten that is very dangerous for people who are sensitive to it. And as he says, the gluten sensitivity intolerance is the umbrella and the um, celiacs is just one little strand of that umbrella. Other strands are, um, it could affect the thyroid, which gives you Hashimoto's and Graves disease and hypothyroidism. It could affect the musculoskeletal system, um, which causes sore, soreness of muscles and may, you know, like, you know, God, you, when you adjust somebody and... Um, you've done everything right for them, but they're just not getting that lower back or that ache when their muscles right. If mm. you take um, gluten out of their diet because they may be sensitive to it, you might be surprised in three to four weeks that that disappears with the adjustments and with their their diet adjustment. It it is amazing. In two thousand and six. The medical journals were saying if someone has osteoporosis, the first thing you do is take gluten out of their diet 
And once that's out of the diet, the density of the bone increases no matter if you give drugs or calcium. They're actually saying don't give drugs and calcium, just take gluten out of their diet. Mm, wow. Uh, also, myocarditis, um, there is an autoimmune disease that um, is a result of the body attacking gluten and then looking for another protein strand, um, which is in the heart. So yeah. the Jesus. research on this is like it, it's just exponential and, you know, I'm trying to keep up with it, but I'm giving you the best that I can with what <laughs> I know and with the knowledge that's Big. just expanding out there. And, and knowing this, people then go, I want to feel better. I don't want that little niggle in my, you know, my hip that, you know, hurts a little bit or in my joints of my fingers or, you know, so they start to go, right, well, I've gone through changing habits. What's my next step? And then so my next step is um, my four-phase fat elimination program, which is all about leptin resistance and sensitizing the body back to leptin, which, oh, my gosh, just blows people's mind, number one, because it gives clarity of mind. But number two, it gives them freedom from lack of energy and pain. It's, um, it's quite amazing what's happening out there. And, and it, it's all related to the food that we consume. Mm. It's, it's such a great point. And there is a lot of different uh, types of food sensitivities popping up all over the place. And I met with um, Sue Shepard just the other day, which I know you will have heard that name before, Cindy. And I met with uh, Sue just the other day. And we're talking about all these other things that are, you know, appearing like fructose and fructan and, um, and, and of course, sucralose and all these other types of things that people are actually becoming more and more sensitive to. And I have a, I have a bit of a thought about that. And, I, and my thought is that maybe with the overuse of antibiotics, we could be, you know, blowing our gut to pieces in terms of not having enough good bacteria. So, you know, consequently or subsequently not being able to digest the sugars efficiently or appropriately. But then I also think that um, there's other things that we might be hypersensitizing our body to uh, from from other other sources, and it could be uh, injecting things into our into our body that might be sensitizing our, our our children to various things like nuts. You know, I've I've just got theories, and I haven't got any solid research on it, but I just feel that maybe some of the uh, environmental bombardment that we're putting into our bodies at the moment could actually be causing this problem. Is that what you're thinking? Look, most definitely. Um, I've actually written a whole report on um, that bombardment of, the, of chemicals. So, you know, babies don't have a chance to be um, naturally born anymore. You know, first of all, all the tests be, you have before uh, or during pregnancy, you know, the ultrasounds and the glucose tolerance tests and, you know, the, everybody's being tested for um, diabetes, you know, gestational diabetes, and you should see what they have to eat. Like I've read the ingredients yeah. on it. Yeah. I wouldn't touch it anywhere. So, yeah. you know, these are the tests that are being done. Then they're born, and in, in medical wisdom, they've said, well, they haven't got enough vitamin K. We need to give them vitamin K. But when you look at the hind milk of the breast actually has the vitamin K, and yeah. when yeah. we started this whole thing, it was because we – um, we're not giving them the hind milk. We were doing a scheduled two-minute on both breasts and it just wasn't working. So there's the vitamin K. Then they're vaccinated. Then they're given antibiotics. And latest evidence shows that one course of antibiotics takes the, the gut two years to recover. Two, two years. years for that two to recover. Years. Two Christ. years. This is the latest evidence. And wow. what we know is that the the... The probiotics or the you know the gut bacteria actually work with the immune system to open and close the epithelial lining within the gut, and vitamin D is very important for that opening and closing. 
Now, what's the vitamin that we are all seem to be deficient in? D. Mm. D. Yeah. That's right. So all of a sudden we have antibiotics. We're not allowed in the sun. Um, we're not getting enough sleep, which is actually what really gives you your vitamin D. Um, it's actually not how much light you get. It's actually how much dark you get that's more important for your vitamin D. It's because it's all working around the brain and the, the hypothalamus and, you know, the control center is what's doing this. Then once we've given the antibiotics and um, we haven't got the gut or the, the bacteria to tell zonulin, which is the protein on the other side, to open it up to let um, some dangerous, um, you know, like um, could be a dangerous foodborne um, parasite or foodborne bacteria. So, you know, medicine sees us as a black and white thing. My gosh, when you look at this body, and you, the three of you know this, this body is full of loop systems and unbelievable chemical reactions that we can never hope to really fully understand. But the more we learn, the more we are understanding. And what's exciting is that we get that you cannot just give vitamin D if there's a vitamin D deficiency. You should not just give iron if there's an iron deficiency. You should definitely not lower cholesterol if there is high cholesterol because high <laughs> cholesterol is an indicator for, for like nine other things. Not It's got nothing to do with, well, very little to do with heart disease and that's about oxidized cholesterol. And that's right. Oh, my gosh, it's just... Um, it, you've, opened, you've opened up a lot of worms. You've yeah. opened up heaps of cancer. Yeah, I can't do that for you, you know? Yeah, well, <laughs> so you know, good city. This is just amazing stuff. And I think what we're going to end up having to do, uh, and what we're going to have to do now is uh, we're going to have to end it off this particular call. But there's a cliffhanger. If Cindy, you're okay with this, we're going to continue recording after this particular call and, and just continue on the path of what you just sort of opened up <laughs> there to, on <laughs> cholesterol and, and the bacteria stuff. Um, so what we're going to do, guys, for, for all those listeners, we're going to do a part two uh, to this series. I hope you got a lot out of that so far. And that was some amazing information. And I think uh, you're going to be loving the second part of this episode. So uh, that will we, well, obviously we be the next week's episode. So at the uh, obviously for those of you finishing this episode now what you're going to do is going to go to www.thewellnessguys.com leave your comments below this particular one tell us what you think uh, because in the next episode we're going to actually cindy's generously has donated a special gift and i'll tell you about it in the next episode of course and so until next week uh the part two of cindy omera um begin creating wellness into your lives lead by example and let's change the world's health together join us next week on the wellness guy show